This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. The relationship between a nonprofit's board and a nonprofit's staff can often become the demise of many nonprofits. You know, the starting of a healthy relationship for any nonprofit board is to have a solid and clear relationship between the CEO or executive director of a nonprofit and its board, especially the board chair. So how do you turn a dysfunctional board into a healthy one? Well, my guest today is James Mueller. James has had extensive experience in the nonprofit sector and is the president of a consulting firm who works with nonprofit boards. He also has a new book coming out entitled Onboarding Champions, The Seven Recruiting Principles of Highly Effective Nonprofit Boards. Enjoy today's show. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today, James. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, right now, we are more aware, and I would say more committed than ever, in the nonprofit sector to build diverse and equitable boards. So what does an equitable and diverse board look like from your perspective? And what is the first step towards building one? Sure. sure. Well, it, an effective, equitable board first makes strategic recruitment a priority and make it driven by their, their constituencies, by the place they fill in their community, et cetera. So the, it, it should be an intentional culture. So an intentional culture is rooted in, in core values. So does the board understand its core values? Because we know you culture is managed by values, by understanding your values and acting on them. I have a couple of funny stories regarding that. But, but it also acknowledges that implicit bias exists and it may be affecting decision-making. So good boards use objective criteria for board selection, and I suggest competencies. What competencies does your board need? Not business acumen as such. That can sometimes get you into trouble, but what what governance competencies, decision-making, sound judgment, creative thinking, intellectual capacity, et cetera, what competencies do you need? Character, connections, and again, diverse culture. So perspectives from that are free from enculturation as well. So it's it's all those things push put together, I think. Okay, well, among all of the relationships a CEO or executive director has, their relationship with the board is absolutely critical, right, to the health and well-being of a nonprofit. Now, you argue that this relationship is often misunderstood and undercultivated. Could you share why you believe that, and what can CEOs and EDs do? Yeah, it is. I deal with this so often. Most board members aren't educated about the responsibilities of governance and how it differs from management. So, Often board members come from their jobs, which are usually management jobs, and focus on management, and they don't understand governance. And so in a few recent cases, uh, I've seen new board chairs that didn't like the style of the CEO, not the confidence, just didn't like the style. And, and they were highly competent people, and they sought to manage them as if the CEO reports to the board chair, when the CEO is held accountable by the board as a corporate unit rather than by the, the board chair. And often the board chair misunderstands their role. 
So CEOs sometimes need to do some nudging. They need to nudge their boards to engage in governance education, strategic recruitment, and robust onboarding. And they also need to be clear about at the outset regarding the line between governance and management. Well, thank you for that. You know, and there's no doubt that dysfunctional boards can quickly destroy both the goodwill and the good work a nonprofit has established over the years. So how do you prevent boards from becoming dysfunctional? Or perhaps even more pointed, what are the signs that your board is starting to become dysfunctional? You know, that's one of the hardest things for me to watch in my practice is to watch a board that where egos come first and they aren't well-trained and, and they go off the rails. So let me start with the second half of the question, which is the signals of dysfunctional boards. Most dangerous in my mind is the formation of cliques. You start getting different groups pulling together so the board becomes disintegrated. So there's also the conduct of board members in the boardroom, and I've got lots of stories there. There's puffery and egotism, I call it. And on the other end, there's complacency or lack of attendance, uninformed opinion, overriding good data, lack of attention to proven practices, lack of well-considered recruitment and onboarding, which I'll come back to again and again. But those are some of the signs and signals that CEOs should watch out for and board chairs as well. Uh, In fact, board chairs, it's more important, but they're often not really well-educated. And so CEOs tend to have to educate their board chairs. So how do you prevent it? Education. Starts with onboarding, which should should occur over a period of several months. Sometimes we try to smush it into one one session, but people can't retain it because they can't absorb it. They can't integrate the information. They go into overload. So the research shows give it to them as they grow in their position. So I, I have four or five sessions that I recommend, and, and I recommend them in this order. And that is start with the introductions at your first onboarding session. And don't rush it. Let people get to know one another. Uh, and then after they get a conversation, because it's important to have this bonding experience, like a new child, right? <laughs> so then cover the responsibilities of governance and really dig in and get clear and draw the line between governance and management right from the start. And governance is oversight, policy, and visioning and innovative thinking, pretty much. And, and so talk about what that is and, and, and how the board is a corporate unit that responds to management. The second session, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. There's a great site, and I write about it in my book, that Harvard has on how to see if you have an implicit bias. So it's a really good place to go and just do a self-evaluation because it exists in all of us, whether it's racial, whether it's just opinion, uh, whether it's urban versus rural. I mean, there are so many implicit biases that we carry. The more we're aware of them, the more we can engage. And so a good expert training on DEI is important. And then the third session is staff roles and responsibilities. And I start out with what's the relationship with the board and the CEO, board chair and the CEO and the board and the CEO. Make that clear and explicit. And then tell the board about how the staff is deployed so they understand how the organization functions. And then I move on to finance and fundraising. And I put the two together. And if someone reads my book, they'll see one of the cases I talk about that is not about the bottom line with a nonprofit. It's about the value delivered. So it's not about return and it's not about overhead. It's about value delivered and how the board is there to make good judgments about the cost of delivering the value. In different environments, it's different. And then, again, at the end, there's onboarding and recruitment. We'll be right back. 
Hey friends, thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast. If this is your first time listening to us, I want to make sure you're aware of a whole group of other episodes with fascinating guests that I previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. There you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country and even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I also want to encourage you to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with others. This will help us get this great content out to more nonprofit leaders just like you. Now, finally, if you want to get my monthly email update that contains more resources in addition to these episodes, it's really easy. Just go to my website at nonprofitleadershippodcast.org and simply type your email address in the top right-hand box, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. And this way, you'll never miss any of the interviews or extra content from this show. And if you have any questions or comments, do not hesitate to email me. Thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Okay, well, there's no doubt one of the sure signs of a dysfunctional board is when board members are more about building up their resume or increasing their network connections than helping out the organization. So how does an ED or the chair of the board confront board members that are clearly using their role on the board for that purpose? Yeah, you know, that's one of the trickiest ones. It's, uh, it's definitely the responsibility of the board chair, but few that I found few do it well. The board chair has to have that conversation about responsibilities, expectations, commitment, and investment in the organization. And the best way to do this is to have a document that all board members see that clearly defines responsibilities of a board member. I took over chair of a, a dysfunctional board a few years ago, and the first thing I did was look at who was engaged and who wasn't, and I started making phone calls. <laughs> Not an easy thing to do, right? But and I talked to this one board member who hadn't shown up for a year. And I said, you know, what's your purpose for being on the board? What do you want to contribute? And then I transitioned to say, right now we're at this crucial point in our development where we need people who are really fully engaged and contributing. And if you can't be here to do that, it might not be the right time for you. You know, it's, it's a sensitive conversation, but we talked it through and he resigned because he wasn't, he wasn't there for that purpose. So it's, it's, it's a tricky thing, but also it's, that's why I have term limits, too. And so for new board members, sometimes maybe you start with a one year. Some organizations do that just to see if the person's engaged. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that you have a new book out, and your book is entitled Onboarding Champions, The Seven Recruiting Principles of Highly Effective Nonprofit Boards. Now, we've been focusing a little bit on the negative side of things, dysfunctional boards, but perhaps for my listeners, you can give an example of a healthy board. What does it look like to have a healthy board, and how are they built and cultivated? Yeah. Well, the simple answer is everything we just talked about. <laughs> so, but, but a healthy board, and I've seen them, and they're, they're fun to be a part of. And, and uh, fun is part of a uh, is a, a symptom of a healthy board. They're having fun, right? So, and they're they have a collaborative relationship with the CEO. Egos are checked at the door, and there's there's a sustained focus on governance leadership, and and that is is the ship on course, and are we aware of any icebergs out there? Are those we serve being served as we promised? Are we being strategic? Do we take time to practice innovation, generating new ideas? And, poking around the edges of, in order to do something maybe a little bit better. I like to use the metaphor of there are four types of board members. And so it's, it's some members stand on the sidewalk, right, and watch what's going on without 
really getting engaged. Some step inside the fence, get involved in the activities, and participate in discussions. A few more step up onto the porch and engage with the CEO and others about issues confronting the organization and give advice. But the preeminent board member crosses the threshold, sits down at the table, owns the good, bad, and the ugly, and commits to working collaboratively with the CEO to make progress. Board members have to cross the threshold if they want to construct a vibrant, healthy board. And I sometimes my workshops, I carry a threshold <laughs> and set it on the table and talk about this is an important piece of board governance. So what you're saying is that a board member must cross a threshold, if you will. And one of the ways you know that is when they stop using the word you and start using the word we. And that shows that they're in and fully engaged. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good point. Had, I've had a good deal of experience in major gifts fundraising. And there's, there's this point where a prospect or a volunteer stops talking about you and starts talking about we. And you know they cross the threshold when they their language changes from you to we, right? So it's critical. Well, it's certainly true that a board needs to be well-informed in order to be more engaged and fully supportive of a nonprofit. So what role does the ED or CEO of a nonprofit play in that? And how best do they go about doing it? First, let me start with a definition of governance. One of my favorites was from UNESCO. And it, it, their definition is employing processes that are designed to ensure accountability, transparency, responsiveness, rule of law or bylaws, sometimes that's overlooked, stability, equity and inclusiveness, empowerment, and broad-based participation. And it is that, that broad-based participation that is critical, that is governance, right? So CEOs should make it a priority to do everything they can to form a productive, collaborative relationship with their board chairs. Because that's really the board chair's responsibility, but the CEO should get to know the board chair, form form a good, healthy relationship, and help them understand their responsibility to cultivate this healthy, productive board that's focused on governance. So, And work with the chair to help ensure strategic recruitment and onboarding, followed by ongoing education for the board. So, And consider board members as smart people. You know, they, they don't need training. I never... Tell board members I'm going to train. I'm going to get them knowledge and information so that they're better empowered to make good decisions and know know where the lines are, right? All right. Now, with this question, I'm not necessarily looking to point fingers either direction, but I'm just curious from your data and from your research, what have you found when it comes to a board and a nonprofit organization falling apart in a sense? Is it more the EDs fault or is it more the board and the board chair's fault? What have you found in your research? Yeah. It's both. Both sides contribute to the problem. They, I've run into so many CEOs who don't understand the line between governance and management and don't understand how to keep that line solid, right? I have one CEO that's wonderful at it. I love her. She runs an organization in Palm Beach, and she jokes with her board members, says, see that yellow line down there? If there's imaginary, of course. She said, you just stepped your toe across it into management. <laughs> she said, now just move it back a little bit and we'll be fine. <laughs> but she's very forth, forthcoming about how to, to keep that difference between management and governance. Well, thanks again, James, for being on the show. And I'm curious for people that are listening to this podcast, how can they find out more about your book and how can they find out more about you? Sure. Well, the book's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And it's also been translated in any ebook format, so it should be in any of those libraries. The easiest way to reach me is 
at my email address, which is J and my last, my first initial J and last name Mueller. So it's J-M-U-E-L-L-E-R at jmuellerassociates.com or my website, which is jmuellerassociates.com. Well, yeah, I thank you so much, James, again, for being on the show today. As I said at the outset, I think this is going to be one of those very practical episodes about how you can build a healthy board. So again, thanks for sharing your insights with us today. Well, my pleasure. And thanks for doing this work. I appreciate it. Hey friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is non nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep making your world better.